Well, here it is, and let's go for the end of year show of the Inside EMS podcast. I am your host, Chris Sabalero, and with me always is my good friend, my compadre, my partner, the one we like to call Kelly Grayson. Kelly Grayson, KG, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Ready for 2020 to be over. It is there. We are almost there. The end of the year. This is our our end of the year show. And uh, a lot of things happened in 2020 that uh, gave us a lot of perspective, gave us a lot of uh, sorrow, gave us a lot of frustration. And as you mentioned, let's get this thing over with. And hopefully 2021 will be a, a better year. Uh, I guess when we get into 2021, we could actually say that hindsight was 2020. Yeah. I, I hope that 21, 2021 won't be like, hold my beer, watch this. <laughs> so, uh, I really hope that's not the case, but we'll, we shall see. Well, I think that we have to, uh, you know, hopefully the we pay attention to what's going on with COVID. And, uh, you know, we're still losing friends. Uh, you know, I lost another friend this month. Um, Mm -hmm. to COVID and just found out today that another one is in ICU and this gentleman uh, actually had double lung transplants a bit ago and uh, he's having some problems and they just moved him to the ICU so everybody's kind of uh, sending their well wishes and bests to him out down there in Fort Worth, Texas. You know, one of the things though that we need to think about is, uh, you know, what 2021 does for us from an EMS standpoint, and I guess you and I, Kelly, will have a lot of time to talk about that in the new year as we move forward into the next, uh, you know, the next year of the Inside EMS podcast. But we do have yeah, something we'll have, that we want to. We'll have 365 days to talk about it. That's right, we will. <laughs> and uh, or actually, 52 weeks, 50 shows. We usually do 50 shows, right? Yeah. So, and that brings up a good point: is that our end of year show now? Uh, we come back in the second week of January. We take the first two weeks off of the year. And uh, then we go 50 shows in a row until we uh, get to the end of next year. So, but we have a, you know, something that popped up um, in the news uh, a, a week or so back. And I'm going to let you set it up for the folks. And, and I think it brings a really important topic as to how do we make ends meet and whose business is it, how we do it. Just this past week, uh, a New York City paramedic was outed uh, by the New York Post or having an OnlyFans uh, account uh, in which she she um, produces adult content to help make ends meet. And uh, there was a, a great deal of backlash over it. And uh, the the paramedic who, who uh, participated in the in the uh, interview was uh, she claims false pretenses and and uh, didn't realize that we're going to be outing her uh, in this uh, interview. And she's, she's trying to make ends meet, pay off student loans and everything. And um, you will find that this is probably the only time I agree with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who replied to the uh, Post's tweet about the article saying, leave the woman alone. The actual scandalous headline here is medics in the United States need two jobs to survive. Preach it, girl. Because she she brought up a, a huge problem in our profession, and I think that uh, that um, what this uh, this paramedic does in her own time off duty, provided does not uh, violate any behavior standards by her employer. And follow up uh, uh, stories about this have have said that her employer does not have a problem with it, and uh, and has retained her uh, employment. So. 
I think it should be a non-issue, but there's doesn't stop a bunch of ignorant and judgmental people from opining about it. Uh, but the, the greater thing here is, is uh, Representative Cortez's uh, response. The actual scandalous headline is medics in the United States need two jobs to survive. Uh, that's that's it in a nutshell. What do you think, man? You know, I think from the standpoint of, you know, the that people, you know, we need to be able to make ends meet in the work that we're going to do. I think that it's, mm -hmm. it's really important that we're able to um, bring this story into the forefront and really kind of talk about the challenges that people have with paying their bills, feeding their kids, paying the rent. And, you know, we've known for a lot of years that EMS is a job that um, doesn't really allow people to uh, feel comfortable in until you yeah. put in 20-something years. And uh, I think what the Post did was an inexcusable. Uh, you know, they were out really for the um, story. Uh, it wasn't any human interest in it at all. It was really just trying to bring a scandal to the um, individual, to, to mm -hmm. the department, and uh, really kind of shame her into what she has to do. I got to tell you, um, you know, I think in our career, Kelly, as, as younger EMTs and paramedics, you know, we've had to try to make ends meet as best that we can. And I agree with AOC that uh, the bigger scandal is we don't pay enough of our EMS providers that they have to worry about a part-time job regardless of what part-time mm -hmm. job it is. And even with that said, you know, it really makes no difference what people are going to do in their off time. And I think that there needs to be a balance in this because it's really important that the agency said they had no issue with her off-duty employment. But that's, mm -hmm. that's not going to be with every single agency. There are yeah. people that are going to stand on a moral ground that says, you know, we just don't want our employees engaging in such type of work. And I think that that's where another uh, challenge is going to be. I think that this is going to be a lawsuit against the New York Post, and it should and then mm -hmm. I think that if, if employee employers are going to have a uh, challenge, depending on what type of work that we do, um, that could be a challenge as well. I mean, Kelly, one of the things that it, it made me think of when this happened was, you know, we talk about, um, you know, having to make ends meet. I've had employers tell me that I wasn't allowed to work for a rival company, uh, you know, a company across the city lines, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, because it was a conflict of interest. and But this is the only thing I knew how to do was to be a paramedic. So now you're keeping me from actually, you know, working for someone else that, you know, my skills and expertise would give me the opportunity to earn some extra pay. And, and I think that that's a challenge. I mean, so where is this line that you know, organizations can say what we can and can't do off duty. Yeah, I I don't know, and I think that uh, um, I personally I think that uh, the line should be uh, as long as it is not illegal, and that you do not represent yourself as an as an employee of this agency while you're doing it. Uh, it's nobody's business. It really is nobody's business. My my own employer has a pretty good. Um, social media policy that's fairly broad and it's basically uh, can be boiled down as don't be an idiot while you're representing yourself as an employee of this company um and despite that uh, a number of our employees have been fired over over recent years for doing really stupid things while wearing our uniform uh on youtube and and, and willingly posting this kind of stuff on youtube um 
that is why uh, in my social media, I don't identify my employer by name and, uh, and, and I don't uh, I scrupulously delete all photos of myself in uniform and everything because I, I want that. I don't want that appearance uh, when I occasionally say something controversial, <laughs> occasionally, um, or, or when I indulge in my well-known propensity for, for uh, low humor. Uh, I don't want it reflecting on my employer. Um, and, and that's the way the game is played. Now, however, it has, the point has been made to me and, and, and it's a point well taken that, that my social media reach, uh, is broad enough that, that, uh, I, I really can't expect myself to be truly anonymous and, and unassociated with my employer. Uh, a five minute Google search will tell you where I work. And, um, and pretty much most people who know anything about me, know where I work. Uh, the same was true of, of one of our former paramedics, uh, who posted a, uh, a meme that uh, a number of people found offensive and was fired for it. And he's, he's a well-known uh, Cajun musician and, and a, a great paramedic and a good guy. He just made a mistake. But, um, you know, it, it came back to bite him. But other than, than you know, the, the illegality issue, uh, if, it's, if it's legal and, and sanctioned by, by uh, uh, our laws, I don't see where it's anybody's business as long as you're not representing yourself as an employee of that of that agency. It's not like this woman was 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 uh, having sex in the ambulance or, or filming videos in the ambulance or doing strip teases in her ambulance uniform. Uh, it's really nobody's business. Uh, I think the 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 scandalous thing is that that she has to do that to pay off student loans. Um, in reading, Chris, some of the, the social media commentary on this story, some people were, some of our own colleagues were, were less uh, um, forgiving or, or much more judgmental than we are about it. We're like, well, um, you know, she had $50,000 in student loans for, a, for a, uh, uh, a degree that she'd never be able to use. You know, how many people in their early 20s? Uh, go to college and they have ideals and, and, and an idea of what they want their life to be. Uh, and they may take a, decide they're going to major in philosophy or, or music literature or something like that. And then turns out it doesn't really have marketable skills. It's not a marketable skill. It's something that's going to get them paid. Uh, the tuition and the student loans still need to be paid back. And I don't think that she should be uh, harshly judged for for that kind of uh, um, idealism at, at an early age uh, and and be judged for the rest of her life for, for doing what she has to do to pay off those bills. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that, uh, you know, you got to do what you got to do, right? And yeah. uh, we do want to be able to make sure we're as professional as we can be. And that we are doing our job as best that we can. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just think that there's other things that we need to start talking about. I mean, I think that the New York Post would be better served if they were doing articles on uh, how uh, some in the United States are not, uh, uh, some EMS responders aren't getting their uh, COVID tests because they're not considered to be yeah. 1A, uh, in the 1A tier. You know, I think yeah. the things that uh, New York Post should be talking about is the abuse on EMS providers and first responders. I don't see anything in there about that. You know, really, what they were trying. Well, that to doesn't do. sell newspapers, and it's not. It doesn't generate scandal, so that's why it's it's not in there. Right. It's but a shame. That, yeah, but I think that the um, you know, I just think that this is there's, there's just such bigger things that we need to talk about, and I think it's just the straw that broke the camel's back that. 
you know, we need people that are going to have our backs and not, you know, be able mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, kind of uh, shame us in the things that we do. But, um, you know, from a leadership standpoint, how do I feel about it? You know, I think it's a very, very interesting situation, even though where I might be in support of this, uh, depending on the, you know, the agency from a board of directors side, from a, uh, if you work in a hospital system, if you work in a third city service, um, it, it really comes down to how they're going to take it as well, right? So we yeah. may be able to be supportive in our positions as EMS leaders, um, but we do have to think about the reputation of the organization as well, and that there are people that are above us that are making decisions that it could not go in a uh, very good favor. But, uh, you know, it's not for the New York Post to... Uh, put me in a pickle with my uh, yeah. agency. They can't be the arbiter of good taste. Uh, exactly. And perhaps, you know, good taste in the New York Post really don't belong in the same sentence anyway. But, and I grew well, up, have, you know, I grew up in New yeah. York City and I was never a New York Post fan. Uh, New York Daily News, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, mm-hmm. they're all New York papers. Yeah. Um, but I was always a Daily News person because the Post just always seemed like one step above the National Enquirer. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and the other thing is, is, is we have to be cognizant of, of the generation you and I are a part of and the fact that social mores and, and, and the public's uh, or the society's idea of acceptable behavior and, and standards is changing. Uh, it may not be changing for the better, but it may not be changing for the worse either. And because it's something that you or I or people of our generation may be a little uncomfortable with these young adults, bad people, because they have different views. I mean, there, there was a time, and it still rages today, uh, it's more acceptable now than it was 10 years ago, but uh, tattoos, you know, there's still an, an age of people out there, a generation of people that, that think the only people who have tattoos are, are low-ranking sailors and convicts. <laughs> yet, yet, uh, you know, it's a it's a form of self expression for for an entire generation or more of people. Uh, the same thing goes with hair colors and piercings and body modification, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think the boundary of what is tasteful and acceptable uh, is shifting, and, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Uh, I, I can, you know, the argument can be made. You know, if the music's too loud, you're too old. Uh, and, and what we may not be feel comfortable with may not be actually uh, uh, a valid thing. It may just mean that we're just old and out of touch. girl just has an OnlyFans account. What she does with that OnlyFans account and the people that, that uh, subscribe to it are their business and nobody else's. Uh, but we did have an actual former sex worker uh, back in 2012 who uh, joined a, uh, her local rescue squad. She was a former porn star. Um, uh, Tracy Rowland, who who uh, joined the Cave Spring Rescue Squad in Roanoke, Virginia, uh, for EMT training, and that blew up into a scandal as well. And you know, once again, judgmental people. Uh, okay, so she was a porn star, and it's an exploitative in, uh, industry for uh, in the view of many. Uh, yet she is, wasn't a porn star when she, she joined the rescue squad and she's wanting to give back to her community and, and, uh, learn some life-saving skills. Yet you had a bunch of judgmental people that think that, you know, just because their husbands and sons are, are in a squad room with uh, a former porn star that somehow her evil vagina doo-doo magic is going to corrupt them. Um, and, and didn't want her as part of the squad. 
uh, I, I see that since that same sort of tone from the New York Post article. And uh, it's a shame that it has to be that way. Um, you know, what she's doing is no different than uh, a firefighter who has a job landscaping, uh, landscaping or, or contracting on his days off. They're, they're trying to make ends meet. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. If that's what's lucrative for her and pays her bills, more power to her. You know, Kelly, in this abbreviated version of the end of year show, uh, it just, I, I think one of the reasons we chose this story is because it really is the icing on the cake for what 2020 meant for our career yeah. field. Yeah. And, you know, we, we tip our hats to the EMS providers and first responders who had to be on the front lines of this COVID from, you know, starting in February in Seattle, Washington, and then moving across the country and then, you know, New York City and then moving into the middle of the country and, uh, you know, the deaths, the, the frustrations, you know, the long hours, the having to sleep in the cars, to all yes. the things that our, our career field had to do. And But the icing on the cake of this horrible year is that, you know, the New York Post tried to uh, humiliate somebody for doing something that they needed yep. to do. Um, you know, and, and uh, hopefully 21 is going to be a, a different spin you know, I think that there's going to be a different tone in the United States. I think that there's going to be different uh, goals in the United States as we go forward in the new, um, uh, hopefully in the new uh, uh, administration. And, uh, you know, hopefully by the time we talk this time next year, Kelly, we're going to have some better things to say what 21 uh, did for us in our career field. But yep. With that, I want to say thank you to you before you give your closing thoughts on, uh, again, a great year. Restart year seven and uh, look forward to another great year and uh, hosting the Inside EMS podcast with you. Yeah, and, and I look forward to a, a new year and, and continuing our, uh, our comradeship uh, as well. Um, 2020 has, has uh, sucked a great big rock off the seafloor. Uh, and we're glad to put it in the rearview mirror behind us and and start anew. And hopefully that 2021 will see a sea change in the way we are viewed and, and uh, a slowing and an end of the coronavirus pandemic and and momentous changes in our profession like ET3 and, and uh, increased educational standards. And, and, uh, and uh, hopefully EMS people will stop eating their own young like they do in, in social media threads. Uh, I hope for all those things in the coming year. But, hey, that's what I think. That's what Chris thinks. We'd like to hear what you think. What are your hopes for 2021? What are you glad to see 2020 uh, behind us? Give us your thoughts at the show at ems1.com. And for myself and co-host Chris Ciballero, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We're going to catch you guys next year.